0: founder of Leaders in the Trenches, helping business owners define their market, lead their market, and own their market. Now, that sounds like a simple task, (laughs) define, lead, and own a market, but obviously it's not. So, we're going to talk with Gene today about the steps involved and focus on one leadership, additional leadership skill that's really essential for owners, managers, and sales reps alike to really master in order to be perceived as leaders, and most importantly, to be followed as leaders need to be. So, Gene, welcome to the show. Awesome to be here, Andy. So, take a minute. Introduce yourself, please.
1: Well, I am Gene Hammett. My friends call me Jean Jean, the Dancing Machine. Um, <laughs> is, although
0: my, is there a reason why they call you the Dancing Machine?
1: Well, you know, it kind of started from in high school... They would call me that because it rhymed, I think.
0: Okay, not because you were literally a dancing machine. Because
1: some of my friends call me Gigi the sex machine. And let, let's just be honest, in high school, I wasn't having <laughs> sex. I was a little bit of a nerd. So, um, But the the dancing machine kind of stuck for a long time, and I wasn't really a dancer. I think about 2000, no, I, I was probably 25 years old. So I was about 1995, 96. I decided I'm going to learn how to dance. And the swing craze started
0: yeah, getting yeah, right. getting
1: hot in Atlanta, and I started going to swing evenings on Sunday nights in Atlanta, and just loved it. I threw myself into it, and for about three years, I learned everything I could. It, in fact, it became the only way I could actually pick up a woman. Um, and I actually picked up my wife up that way. So, uh,
0: <laughs> now would she I like p- it if you told her you, you picked her up as opposed to meeting? I mean, yeah. No, I,
1: I, I, I basically I describe it like this, Andy. I I, use, I always looking for an opening line in sales or, or in any kind of thing. I'm looking for an opening strategy. My opening strategy was, would you like to dance?
0: So Nothing nothing easier at that point. So no, you really then did become Gene Gene the Dancing Machine.
1: I did. I got paid for it. I actually would, would me and my um, partner, girlfriend at the time, not my wife, my girlfriend back in the day, would uh, get asked to come to different charity events and we would, do exhibition dancing. Wow! Um, very acrobatic, very much, um, a lot of fun, a lot of sweat. But um, it was that was that was the older days. My wife, we only dance now at weddings, <laughs> and not often enough.
0: <laughs> well, since so, you guys will have to, you're not that old. You guys, yeah, have to reinvigorate the whole dancing machine thing.
1: Absolutely. So, so that that's a lot of. I've never done that much. Just kind of banter back and forth about all the personal stuff. So well,
0: hey. Welcome to the new age in our show here. <laughs> We're interested in the story behind the person, not just uh, what you can tell us about what you know. So what was your impetus then to start Leaders in the Trenches? Go a little bit of your business journey there.
1: You know, I'm going to relate it to what we just talked about. I, I have this like history of w- stepping into something and, and really learning what does it take to be a master in this area. So taking my dancing into um, starting to do contest mm-hmm. uh Getting asked to, you know, actually getting paid. So I, I call myself semi-professional, although it only happened like a dozen times. But and I didn't get much money, but I was paid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was really seen as an expert, and I, I saw that in other places in my life. And so leaders in the trenches is people that are starting businesses, not getting the traction they want. They're they're inside the business way too much, and they're not. Um, they're a little bit frustrated. So. I wanted to create all these interviews with people. How did you break free from this? Now, one of the things that came out of this, um, which I knew was a big struggle, was people not really understanding who their audience was. Mm -hmm. So they didn't know who they served. And so a lot of the conversation, I think I've interviewed, I feel like I've interviewed more people that have written books on niching and and that part that's that's the niche right there than anyone in the business. Right. Um, And I, I help people figure that out as part of that journey to getting out of the trenches.
0: All right. Well, so let's, we talked about, we're going to start with the define, lead, own. So yeah, defining your niche. I was just reading a book uh, called From Impossible to Inevitable, uh, written by Aaron Ross, a follow-up to his book, Predictable Revenue, which, which the key point is that in order to really effectively build a repeatable, predictable revenue model is you need to be able to what he called, nail the niche, right? Really understand who your customer is very tightly. So, it seems like one of the big challenges for entrepreneurs and small business owners is to make that decision to focus, you know, to sort of consciously give up on the idea that they can serve everybody.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it comes from fear. The fear that I've seen this, because I've, I've, I've worked with hundreds if not thousands of people on this, is I'm, I'm afraid to miss out I'm afraid I'm going to limit myself from the opportunities that I could be serving. And in that that fear, they end up playing into this, well, how broad of a net can I throw out there? You know, I can, you know I, I've worked a lot with um, service based businesses that are in highly competitive markets. Mm-hmm. Well, they think that I'll just do my work, I'll get my referrals, and everything will be okay. And I'm like, well, it works, but that's the slow way to grow. When you actually define your market and become an authority and decide you're going to be an authority in a segment of the market, not the whole market, and you're going to really position yourself, you're going to put out some unique content, you're going to have a great point of view, you're going to have authority in this space, uh, whether you're creating podcasts or speaking from stages or writing books, whatever your kind of choice is, um, how do you get your message out there? When they see you differently, they begin to trust you.
0: Right. So but how do you how do you make that choice about where that uh, what that you know specialized place where you want to be is? I you know, the great like the uh, actual great s- process? Well, yeah. I mean there's so there's there's um in Joe Pulitzi's book, Contact Inc., I don't know if you had a chance to read that, it's you know, he talks about you know, finding your sweet spot is at the intersection of your knowledge and skill with your passion. So how do, how do people do that? You know, somebody at starting a business, how do you help them identify what that intersection is between those two? So
1: I use different language. Maybe that's part of my own marketing kind of stuff. So I use a tool. It's kind of like a Vindy diagram. So there's three circles overlapping. And what you're really good at, right? So the, the, the actual solution that you're providing, you're really good at it. Then there's another circle that talks about what do you care about? I, the passion word I think wraps up a lot of people not that I think passion is a very important part of business, but I actually ask my clients, let's look at the the businesses and the people you want to serve that you really care about. You may not be truly passionate about that market, but do you care about the problems that they have? Mm-hmm. And the other piece to this would be, is there demand in the market? Do they Do they want it? And once you kind of find the intersection of those three circles, that little sweet spot in the middle, um, I think that you're you're certainly on the right track. Of if I had, you know, one of the exercises I use with clients, and, and we can talk about this today, would be if you only had eight seats at a boardroom table, only eight seats. Who would be the people that you would like for to occupy those eight seats, and you only have a chance to give one message? That is there to connect with all eight people. Who would be the eight people you would invite to that conversation? And it's it's a it's a simple exercise, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It does get into you know. Well, I would invite this person because I want them to do it by name, like literally. If you're Warren Buffett, I want
0: Warren Warren. Buffett to sit at that table.
1: We want Warren Buffett. Who else do you want? Um, We will want um, uh, Bill Gates. We want. You know, three other, you know, high net worth kind of people.
0: I've but, never but had anybody say those But your point is, they have to be. They have to be responsive to the same, the same message, though. For what's they the, the to value to them? They have to be responsive to, them, to right?
1: the same message. And, it, because what I found is we all can serve large markets, but who are we best at serving? Who are we most inspired to serve? And. That that small exercise is meant to trigger them in such a way to saying, well, if I only had eight seats and my thing is – I'm going to use my business because of, just as, a, as an example. I would have people running IT services that are doing anywhere from a million to five million in sales. I would want the CEO of those companies, and I would put them all eight together, and I would talk about – the power of lead generation when you're an expert in the market. Okay, and because I've found that that market that that message resonates with people that are in IT service kind of business, they want to generate more leads, and they typically want to be seen as that expert or thought leader.
0: Yeah, and I think what, and I love what you do with that exercise. And I think you know, taking it perhaps another direction, but one that maybe people are familiar with too is. Yeah, you actually are. I like the fact you make them name it by name. Is it's really important when you define your market is you have an image of what that person looks like, who they are, what they, you know, their age, their demographic information. You're creating that persona. It's you want to have that target in mind. I mean, if if it's Warren Buffett's face, it's Warren Buffett. But I mean, I think people sort of overlook the fact that you really need to you need to visualize and make as tangible as possible the target that you're trying to address because this is what the other side looks
1: like i'll take anybody who needs what i have and anybody who needs what you have is sounds like the right approach right they've got a checkbook they've got you know a lot of my clients do websites or do or digital agencies or like sort of marketing companies so everyone needs what they have but when we really figure out if they if they're doing a boardroom exercise, and this, that that's what I kind of call that that little eight person in a room, mm-hmm. then they go. It ends up being well, I really work well with speakers. So what if I put eight speakers in the room and I could give them a message on getting more speaking gigs with the right website? All of a sudden, that he's just positioned all of you know himself is an expert in this area. He's got eight people in a room, which also positions you as an expert to be able to to be able to get them in the room. and content that all fits something that they all care about. Not everybody cares about getting speaking gigs, but those eight speakers, they care about it a lot, right. And if you can if you can get yourself to to go through that exercise and do it, then you are first step way through this whole process. most people can't do it. They get caught up with, I everyone needs a website but the rea- reality is not everyone wants a website yeah and so that's that's the that's the niching side there's a couple other techniques that I take people through to very to really kind of understand it we can we can go deeper if you want to or we can
0: well let's move on to the next one so next okay. one is, is lead so you have defi- help define that niche which is so important and and like I said you have to get over the the term the FOMO that the kids talk of fear of missing out um, yeah it's just you can't be everything at all people. So next thing is now you've defined your niche is how do you establish leadership within that niche? Well, I mean, what does And what does leadership really mean in this context? I mean, what form of leadership are you establishing?
1: Great, great question. And I'm going to answer it with a statement that one of my clients gave back to me the other day. I said, you know, what was the real value of the work that we did? And this guy's a coach slash consultant. Um, he works with digital agencies. So we just talked about mm-hmm. digital agencies and I helped him figure out his market uh, between 300,000 and about a million in revenue. Right? So we really zeroed in on the specific. They mm-hmm. have, they have about three to five employees. When they have three to five employees, they're at a place where they can afford him and they're at a place where they really want to use all of the stuff he's created for his business. If they're smaller than that, they don't. And if they're too big, bigger than that, they think they're beyond that. Um, so, to lead the market means people see you as the choice rather than a choice. Okay. That's what that's what Jason said to me when I was talking to him about this a, f- a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I really like that. I may actually be using some of that in my, my language, him, <laughs> um, because my client said this is what I gave him. And it's what I always want, too. It's probably what you want, Andy, when you're looking and building your business to be the choice, not a choice
0: right so how do you become for people listening you know what are the strategies you use to help
1: it's it's an intentional decision first, right I want to be seen as a leader. I want to step out there with my point of view, my message if you will, my approach my stra- my strategies are different than the marketplace so uh, you know leaders are typically against the grain a little bit. when you've got a market and you've got um, let's take a like a speaker. Mm-hmm. Who is the most unique speaker that you know of?
0: Mm, probably Gary Vaynerchuk.
1: Okay. I was thinking the same thing, too. So this is not a minimalist exercise. <laughs> but if you have your heart set on Gary Vaynerchuk, is there someone else that will that will fit in and, and, and you know, will do in a pinch?
0: Uh, not really, is well, it? Yeah. I mean, not if you have your heart set on that particular style. Yeah.
1: If, you, if, you, if you've if you been following his stuff and you say he's the choice for my event and we know his fee is I'm going to make this up, $50,000 we're going to figure out a way to pay for it. Right? He becomes the choice. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to be for your market. So that's kind of a, dis- a description of what the what leading looks like.
0: Okay, so that's the aspiration. So now what's the underlying strategy to get to that point? The I mean-
1: strategy is to uh, when you decide it and is to have a point of view we talked about that Mm -hmm. a little bit so which is really what's unique in the marketplace if your point of view is just like everyone else i'm gonna help you grow your business that never works um i want to help you um be happier that that doesn't work like it's too generic but too non-specific it's too non-specific, so you've got to get really specific about the point of view, and the point of view begins to drive the content that you create, the um, speeches that you're going to to do, you know, if you're writing audio, podcast, whatever it may be. So you end up taking the point of view and putting it into some kind of channel that allows you to get your message out in the world.
0: Right. And I think that's really important point. I was driving at is is for you know the entrepreneurs listening and small business owners listening is that that you know, you're you going to have to start putting part of yourself out there in terms of content and educational material and value that you're going to provide to your potential customers to start educating them about their issues, their concerns, and the potential I, solutions that exist for it.
1: I, the best example I can give you in this is um, I was looking for what I call a big boy coach a few years ago. So I'd had some small-time coaches, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I'm looking for the coach that's really going to take me to the next level. Now, when I started to have some conversations and talk to my friends about who they were using and who was the right person in the market, um, a few names came up. So what did I do? I Googled them. I went to their online profile, and I looked at, at what they were doing, and most of them had books. So what did I do? Pick up their book. Very, very low investment, right? Mm-hmm. Um the six hours to read the book is a bigger investment than the $20 it cost me. Right, But the, then I realized one of them had a podcast, and I was running a lot at the time. And so I put the podcast on my ears, and I remember hearing the voice, and I would go through, and I just really resonated with it. So it helped me make the decision that he was the leader that I needed. I was able to, without talking to anyone, without doing anything, because of the content he created, was resonated with me that I was going to go, all right, I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to raise my hand and say, let's talk about this. So that's, that's, that's an example of having content that positions you before the sale as the leader. It wasn't meant for everybody in the marketplace. He doesn't coach everybody, but he coaches a lot of coaches.
0: Hmm. Very interesting.
1: So that's, that's, that's an example within my own life. And then I help people do that before. I, you know, I talk to, to, um, I told you about Jason, one of my clients. He works with digital agencies between with three to five people as employees. And he's got a podcast. He speaks at different events. In the events he goes to, here's here's a giant tip. once you' once you've zeroed this in from a leadership standpoint, you are able to identify different technologies that you use. So in this case, a lot of his clients use a tool called Hubspot mm-hmm. or Infusionsoft. So those are two main marketing automation tools, right? That they use. Yep. And so he got a chance to speak at both of those last year. Do you think that was profitable for his business as a leadership, um, leading his market and and speaking to a room of eighty people instead of eight um, ideal clients? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. The result
1: behind it was huge. Like he did over fifty thousand dollars in new business from each one of those events.
0: Yeah, and I think what a perfect example too is is because people tend to think about this, you know, thought leadership and blogging and so on. They, you know, for a lot of small businesses, it's they hear it and they put their hands over their ears because they don't hear it anymore. But it it can be such a transformational step for people, and and uh, I always think about uh, Marcus Sheridan, who, you know, has built quite a following online with his sales and marketing advice and his business started he was installing in-the-ground pools and when the market went south in 2008 and the economy went south excuse me is is you know he came up with a strategy for how does he educate people about not just his business but educate people about their their problems that they're trying to you know solve and through that became you know built a huge following built a pretty substantial business in his core business which was you know, pools uh, just by talking about pools, not talking about his pools, but talking about pools in general.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing kind of transformation in your business when you truly do decide to be a leader and you step into that leadership role. So, a lot of that behind there is just, there's a lot of internal battles that people have with being a leader and putting out content. And they think it's narrow enough or they think it's Clear enough, or they think it's specific enough, and usually it's not. If you're not getting the leads you want in your business right now, it's probably because you haven't clearly identified the people you want to serve and the problems at which they have.
0: And the solutions that you're offering. The solutions won't resonate if they don't identify with the problems first. Exactly.
1: And those things are the core to you having that point of view. Like the solutions becomes that point of view, like the way you get there. Mm. One of my point of views is. Live is better than online. So for me, I, I built my business around speaking to small groups and in, in events that I hold, like eight people. Mm-hmm. One reason why I talk about the boardroom exercise, because um, I, I, I truly do believe this. And the other one is by speaking on larger stages, live. That is a way to build the authority in your business. Um, and that's that's my point of view. Like if you want to be a leader then live is much better than online.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about this subject about defining leading and owning your market as a small business owner with my guest, Gene Hammett. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect & Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect & Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect & Sell can start filling your pipeline today. So, Welcome back with my guest Gene Hammett. We're talking about Small business, we're talking about defining your market, challenges there, how to learn how to uh, get by the fear of missing out syndrome, uh, how to lead your market. We talked about it really in any market, any business that you're in. There's intellectual value, intellectual property that you can own and create around your point of view about the, the value you provide, the services you provide, the problems your customers face, that you can become the perceived expert, which transcends just your your advertising campaign, your local market sphere that you think you operate in that enable you to really build a much more consistent, predictable, successful business. And so we talked about leadership, defining leadership. So let's talk about owning owning your market. So what do you mean by owning your market?
1: Owning your market is kind of the holy grail, right? It's the it's the journey that you take when you decide I'm going to be the only person that people think of when this when they, they think about this space, Oprah, owns the market in her space. Warren Buffett owns the market in his space. Michael Jordan, to me, I know it's arguably he's not the best person basketball, but to me in the era which I grew up, the best basketball. See, he owns he was, the market. Yes, yes. Um, so. I'm glad you're not a Kobe fan. No, I'm just well, I am a Kobe um, fan, but I mean, they, <laughs> they,
0: they were really largely se- separate eras for the most part.
1: They're separate eras, but even to me, Michael Jordan would take him to school every day of the week. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it just speaks for itself. But, but that's, the, that's the journey, the decision to own the market. It's not from an ego standpoint, but it's a place of service. I I really I talked about dancing. I took my dancing as far as I could take it. Now, did I really own the market? No, because I didn't make it my career. Um, I started doing jujitsu, and I really dived into jujitsu. Do I own the market there? No, but now as I'm you know in this business as a coach and as a leadership consultant and helping people define their market, lead their market, own their market, I am really stepping into this ownership area within my own life and business, and I'm helping my clients do the same thing in their markets. So it really is kind of a state of mind. It's kind of like Xerox, like does some people know that Xerox is actually a company, not something you do?
0: hmm
1: Right? Kleenex is actually a product, not a a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> um those are those are examples of owning the market when 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 your name becomes synonymous with the the entire space you've reached the level of ownership.
0: Okay so but if we translate that into you know local market or a market segment even if it's not a local geographic market again if you've gone through the the previous steps and you are producing thought leadership on a consistent, regular basis, that is providing the value, and you are, as you said, taking that that approach. That you're really you're there as a, from a perspective of service, and I think that to me, that's such a key part of ownership. It's not uh, necessarily planting the flag in the ground and beating your chest and proclaiming your, proclaiming yourself champion, but it's it's being there to provide a service to people.
1: Absolutely, when when you get to that state. Like the Oprah effect, right? People have probably written books on this, um, but you know she put her name on something as as a book, and you didn't have to worry about sales. You didn't have to really worry about marketing for a little while, right? Because it would just happen. And it, it, when when you have ownership and when you really step into this, Andy, you're able to impact the market. They're able to um, they're able to take the services you're offering and actually. Apply it. Yeah, I feel like I need to explain that a little bit. But go, but ahead. I go ahead. Um, you know, one of the biggest problems we have in in our world right now is information overload. Mm-hmm. Like it is such a, and it and most of it's crap. And I'm and I'm 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 trying to clean this up, make it PG. Um, it it truly is crap. There is a lot of good stuff, but it gets lost in all of the the the. Drowning of information. There's very little wisdom. Right. There's very little specific things that will really help us move the
0: needle. Now, well, yeah, content, but no context. And I think that's really, to me, that's how I save it. there's right. Lots, lots of information, but there's no context. Why? Why? Okay, you give me this information. Why does it have value to me? And that's the step that seems to be missing.
1: And when it's coming from someone who truly you respect, that you see have have really helped others, that you feel like has a could really serve you, you take that information differently. Right. You take all of that information in context and you begin to take action with it. So when you own the market, you're actually engaging the people around you to actually follow you in a much different way than any of the levels before. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's the holy grail. Like, is it ever attainable? Very few people get there. But the journey to becoming that space, I mean, I think Gary Vaynerchuk is it's beginning to be that way in the speaking market. Um, and he's picking up the, the, the shoes from maybe someone like Tony Robbins, like Tony Robbins is not out as much as he used to be. And I know they're in completely different spaces, but no one takes the, the space of Tony Robbins. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, and what he does, Gary Vaynerchuk is stepping in. I, I I, I smile because one of my clients the other day said, I want to be the Gary Vaynerchuk of my business. And, and 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 I know he doesn't mean this. You know, like I'm copying Gary. He just means that I want to have that, the ability to influence and affect a market the way, the way someone like Gary does. Mm-hmm. And that's what owner owning the market means.
0: Got it. Well, good. Well, that's all. Quite good information for people listening about defining, leading, and owning your market. Now we're gonna move to the last segment of my show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. First one's really a hypothetical scenario. And in this scenario, you, Gene, have just been hired as the new sales leader at a company whose sales have completely stalled out and senior management really wants things to turn around in a hurry. So your first week on the job, what two things could you do that would have the biggest impact?
1: Now, repeat that question.
0: So you've just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. You need to get it unstuck. So what two things would you do your first week on the job? that could have the biggest impact?
1: Okay. The first thing I would do is I would schedule interviews with people who are already using the product, the service, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. current clients, because I would want to know why they chose us and I would want to know what are the differentiated factors that they saw in the market for us. Um, It's not enough for my marketing team to tell me what they are. I want to actually hear it from the people who wrote checks and continue to be happy customers. The second thing I would do is I would go to people in the last year that we lost business to. Like we they didn't choose us mm-hmm, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. They they would go to people and figure out why they chose to do nothing, which is probably the most likely right. scenario in our businesses, or why they chose someone else. Those two things is is my way of understanding not only the people that we serve, but understanding our own positioning. Mm-hmm. And they give me the research, they give me the foundation for me to decide and make better strategic decisions about what we should do next, what we, what's we what been missing, what we should do more of, and all of the things that that allow us to make the right decisions moving forward.
0: Excellent. Okay, good. I like the answer. So now I have some rapid-fire questions for you. As You can give me one-word answers if you wish, or you can elaborate. Um, So the first one is, when you're out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales asset?
1: I really like to listen. Uh, What I find um, when I learned coaching, that when I listen for what's not being said, I was able to be a better sales person.
0: Okay. So who's your sales role model?
1: Mm, that's a that's a tough one. My sales role model. I've had a lot of great people on the show, but I guess one name that really sticks out more than anything else is Michael Port. Okay. Uh, wrote book yourself solid, yep. and I just I love the the what he the way he sees the world, and I love his service and personality. And he's been on my show three times, so I think he's a fantastic uh, sales role model.
0: Excellent. What's the one book every entrepreneur should read?
1: I would say my book, but it really is not out yet.
0: Um, I, you know, I've used this before and
1: probably it's been said. Uh, Start with why by Simon Sinek.
0: Okay. It's a great book. Yep. Tough question yep. here. What music's on your playlist right now? Um, on my playlist.
1: I really like kind of a, uh, what is the name of the band? I'm drawing a blink. <laughs> I'm pulling up my phone, which I don't do. And I'll vamp over with empty air. Yeah, dance for with this yeah. for a second. Andy, Andy um, Dancing Machine. And it's not coming up. It's um it's not Kelly Clarkson. I you know I'm drawing a blank on this. I I, I don't oh. listen to that much music. I'll be honest with you. Okay. I listen right. to a lot of podcasts. So if I said the playlist on my podcast, I would say um, Mixer G mm-hmm. with uh, Andrew Warner.
0: Okay. Last question for you. What's the first sales activity you do every day?
1: I look at my schedule. <laughs> I look at the who is on my schedule and I begin to think about all of the ways that I can serve them. So I'm thinking about it all day long. As soon as I wake up, usually I'm thinking about all the three or four people that I'm talking to that day. And, um, that's not prospecting. So the prospecting is a different mm-hmm. answer.
0: Got it. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me. My guest today has been Gene Hammett and Gene tell folks how they can find out more about you. I, you know, since this is a
1: sales show, I'm going to just say this. Um, I've got a free gift. Can I offer that to your audience? Sure. So, um, recently, I am not afraid of sales, but I, I I have been avoiding it. It's been on my schedule and I haven't been doing it. So, I did what's called a hundred call challenge. Mm-hmm. And you can get the tools I use for that and some little insights about how I structure that if you go to com forward slash. Uh, 100 call, which is like 100 C A L L, and it really was something that activated me to get more speaking gigs, to get to connect with my ideal clients and people I need to follow up with. And then I had a small event last week, so I did that recently, and I did a hundred conversations inside of two weeks, and that's a challenge if you if you've never done anything like that to push you beyond the barrier. I ended up getting three speaking gigs, and I got two new clients out of it.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Good work. Well, I recommend that people come to the show notes page or we'll have that information there. And as well, uh, as Gene just mentioned, if you want to go straight to it now, sounds like a great, great tool and getting activated in sales, especially for entrepreneurs, really important. So again, Gene, thank you for being on the show today.
1: It's been my pleasure.
0: And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make sure that Accelerate, this show, is a part of your daily routine whether you're listening first thing in the morning on your commute or in the gym or maybe make it part of your morning sales huddle at work. But then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Gene Hammett, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.